Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Oh, happy game day, everybody. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Jets finishing up their three-game road trip tonight in St. Louis against the Blues. Mike McIntyre will join us from St. Louis. Really looking forward to having Mike on. He's had some great stuff in the Freep over the last few days. Um, the conversation with Neil Pionk on Friday heading into the weekend and uh, a sit-down with Declan Chisholm, who uh, has not yet seen his number called for NHL action this year. And, of course, we'll uh, set up tonight's big game between the Central Division rivals, the Blues and the Jets, as they continue a week of divisional play and finish this roadie before coming back for the Nashville Predators and Dallas Stars on Thursday and Saturday at Canada Life Centre. Of course, it's West Final Week. We're going to be all over that as well. Looking forward to welcoming in Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation to get his thoughts on the East and West Finals for a little bit more of a preview. And uh, we'll have the latest for you from uh, from Bomber Practice as well. Should be a great show. Welcome to everybody in chat. Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already. And a big thanks to the podcast listeners who are uh, hanging out with us today. Um, just before we get to Michael Remus and talk about some big news in the National Hockey League outside of Winnipeg, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Princess Auto, Coolbet Canada, Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, our friends at Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, the Winnipeg Jets, and of course, the great taste of Little Brown Jug. Let's get this thing going. Michael Remus, what's up? What's up? Seems to be everyone in the chat uh, dumping all. I know it's a Jets game day and Bombers are practicing, but everyone in the chat is just dumping on the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know if you knew this, Huss. They're oh, what, man. 31st in the NHL. And yep. Big matchup against the 32nd team on Thursday in the San Jose Sharks. And yes, Edmonton. Uh, they started off strong against Vancouver, but games are 60 minutes and yet another loss for them and yet another loss where they gave up uh, what, more than four goals, allowing six to Vancouver, who is absolutely rolling. So uh, I think that's I mean, we're, that's the talk around the NHL is uh, everyone thought Oilers were a cup contender, was cup or bust for them, but they did the uh, captain skates to start the year. They all came in early. And it hasn't worked out for them at all, uh, culminating in today. They put, this is the breaking NHL news has, they put Jack Campbell, the goaltender, on waivers. And Jack Campbell, let's look at the contract that he signed. Uh, he signed a five-year, $25 million contract. That's a $5 million AAV. He has this year, year after, year after that. And the year after that, four... Three seasons after this year, and they just put him on waivers. Uh, so that's the that's the story. But Jets again, Jets Blues tonight. Jets, I mean, same lineup, and uh, and the Bombers practicing too. So, uh, but a lot of talk about Oilers in chat here. Well, uh, listen, there's talk all around the National Hockey League. I mean, I was jumping around from the Merrick show earlier today. Um, man, I listened to, to to Craig Button on with Dusty this morning over on Edmonton Sports Talk and. I mean, it's one of those things where you just can't turn away. And listen, there's, you know, I think we've all realized that at times the, the Jets have had their fair share of issues over the last few years. 
but I don't think there's ever been anything close to this where a team went in with such massive pressure and expectations to produce and have done the exact opposite of that right now. I mean, you mentioned it, 31st in the National Hockey League, five points on the year. The, the Vancouver Canucks have six points against the Oilers this season. The Oilers have five in the entire campaign through 11 games, two, eight, and one after that loss last night. A goal differential of minus 18. Um, McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't scoring right now. They're not getting any help. I should, well, Dreisaitl did score, um, but they'd been uncharacteristically quiet. I think McDavid is like 60th overall in the NHL in scoring right now, uh, and they can't get a save. And it seemed like something had to happen. Um, I'm not sure what their plan is, though, with Jack Campbell going on waivers. I mean, I guess you can bury some of that contract in the minors if that's what they do. But Stewie Skins hasn't been any better. Uh, and I'm not sure they've got, well, I guess they must be bringing up Calvin Pickard from Bakersfield. He's their third goaltender and a great opportunity for Pickard if that is the case. Um, but it, listen, we know how when things get really bad, it's sometimes good for business in uh, our line of work. I don't know if you caught the post-game show yesterday on EST, um, Remus, but Tommy Gazzola had about 1,200 people in the chat, and every single one of them was at wit's end and was losing their mind. Yeah, I definitely uh, I had to tune in uh, to the Oilers post-game show. Uh, they, him and um, Matt Cassian, they just didn't know what to say. Uh, they they kind of were lost for words, and... I mean, the Oilers, yeah, like you look at their, the reason why they had to call up Jack Campbell or send him down, sorry, they don't have any cap space. 377,000 cap space uh, for a team that's in 31st place. And I mean, that post game show, I agree, completely entertaining, but not really, not where you thought they would be. It is, uh, it's crazy. Um, and as far as goalie, I mean, Carolina just signed Yaro Halak to a PTO. I'm kind of surprised they wouldn't go for. Uh, something like that. Uh, just an experienced guy. He was pretty good, but maybe if you're a goalie. Like, do you want to play behind the defensive structure or the lack thereof uh, in Edmonton? It's not going to be good for your personal numbers. And Skinner had a great start to last year and didn't have a great playoffs and hasn't been great. You know, they haven't gotten any any of those timely saves that we keep talking about. But it is certainly any it's, saves. It's fa so fascinating, and I know. Like Edmonton and, and Toronto, Toronto fans were, were like losing it in part of that game yesterday. They came back, but Edmonton, I mean, uh, in terms of you know where you thought they were going to be, everyone picking them as cup contenders, and now uh, near the bottom of the league uh, with McDavid and Drysaddle, unbelievable. The funny thing about it is everyone is just waiting for them to snap out of it. I mean, Vancouver's had this great start. They've been playing as well as anyone, maybe outside of Vegas. Edmonton has been horrible. And yet last night, when you looked at the cool bet lines, Edmonton was a road favorite in that game. Again. Um, it, it just seemingly people have a hard time, and I'm, I guess I'm going to include myself in that boat, have a hard time believing that they've been as bad as they've been for as long as they've been right now. And listen, Calgary was in a pretty similar boat, um, but they got a win against the Kraken on the road. They're back at home tonight against Nashville. We'll see whether Calgary can come with snap out of it. 
Um, but man, I mean, we chatted about it today on the lock shop. I mean, hard to kind of get away from that when you're talking with guys that are doing this in Edmonton about where the Oilers mm-hmm. are right now. But um, hey, credit to the Canucks. <clears throat> they are, uh, they're a bit of a wagon right now. Um, and they withstood a great start from Edmonton last night. I mean, I think that was the thing that was the most frustrating. At one point, the shots were like 19-2 or 19-3. Oilers got the first goal. Everything looked good. And then bang, bang, bang. They give up three in the first period. They outshoot the uh, they outshoot the Canucks. I want to say twenty to seven in the first, and we're down three to one. Um, and there have been at times, you know, the the team that we cover most closely here in Winnipeg over the last 10, 11 years, where the Jets have sort of felt like a fragile team. You know, they're working their asses off. The, you know, things go uh, their way, and then something happens, and they don't respond as well to adversity. Uh, listen, I think the team we're seeing right now, and I think Saturday is a perfect example that this team is built differently and they're much better suited and equipped to handle the ups and downs of in individual games, never mind the season. I don't think we can say that about Edmonton. And Remus, it has to be, I mean, one of the biggest parts of all of this is the immense pressure that comes with having McDavid and Dreisel on your team, the immense pressure on those guys. Um, there hasn't been a lot of other guys stepping up to uh, to help those players out, certainly not in net. Uh, you know, they, you can always fire a coach. I mean, who knows what Ken Holland's future is now that Jeff Jackson's running the show there. Um, but this is a team you just cannot keep your eyes off of, and we've seen them play at such a high level before. It is, in fact, stunning. Um, to see performances like last night where uh, they just completely come unhinged as they did in the third period. Yeah, uh, there are certainly some similarities uh, that you mentioned with the, with the Jets, and uh, they definitely came unhinged last night. Uh, Jay Woodcroft getting tossed from the game, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl in the box, and, and you look at the season, expected goals on Money Puck, Huss, uh, 56.7% of them. That's fourth in the league in terms of actual goals. Or goals against, um, you know, they're what minus uh, eighteen on the year. So I think you know when you look at something like expected goals, you're like, well, it's the goaltending hasn't helped them, and maybe the other goalies have made a couple more saves, and you know this should normalize, and eventually uh, they'll turn this thing around. But when you're living day to day, I think it's easy to get ahead of yourself and be like, oh, this team's got some major, major problems here, and I'm curious what they do if they do anything. With this goaltending, because it's gonna, it's tough. They're, a, they've got no cap space, so I don't know. If you're looking to add or make a trade, uh, in terms of firing the coach. They didn't even play with yeah. the full lineup. Yeah. I mean, they're they're that screwed uh, when, when it comes to the cap. So I mean, I I, I think that this Campbell move, mm-hmm. um, as reported by Elliot Friedman and now pretty much everybody else in the uh, in the hockey world. Um, if they do waive Campbell, no one's picking him up. I mean, you can pretty much guarantee that considering uh, the contract uh, details that you just laid out with three more years at five mil per. Um, you know, if they're making a move and getting Jack Campbell off the club, moving him to the minors, calling somebody up, I imagine that there'll be some pretty significant cap savings. Maybe that does allow them to make some sort of a move and add another player right now. But um, a lot of questions... No answers right now in Edmonton, and um, that is one of the biggest stories in the league. You know, we were almost maybe going to be having similar conversations about the Leafs, not to the extremes that the Edmonton Oilers have right now. But, man, what a uh, 
What a step-up performance by Austin Matthews last night after the Leafs were down 4-1 in the first period. He scores two in the second to get the team back in it. And then Kelly Yarncroft, of all people, with a third-period goal and an OT winner. And the Leafs avoid what would have been a really tough home loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, it was pretty. It wasn't a busy night in the National Hockey League last night, but there were some pretty wild games. Yeah, that was certainly one of them. A six-five overtime finish, and who Matthew Nyes getting uh, on the board there? Is he going to be a fit there with Marner and Matthews? And yeah, it seems like Matthews is always on a hat trick watch, and we're all for dumping on the San Jose Sharks. I believe Matthews has more goals than the entire uh, Sharks team. Hustler. <laughs> So, um, it's about to confirm that. But Philly, yeah, Philly and San Jose tonight, and if Philly wins, um, the Sharks will go in still as a winless team with only one point. Um, but regardless, Thursday night's game between Edmonton and San Jose will be a matchup between 31 and 32 in the entire National Hockey League, which is inconceivable considering the talent that the Oilers have. But let's play what if for a moment, Remo. Um, I know that they've just waived Jack Campbell, and that seems like the first move that they're making. What the hell happens if the Oilers lose to the Sharks on Thursday night? I don't think so. They have McDavid. Come on. When I watch Vancouver skate circles, I, I know that they were talking about that on the Oilers postgame, but you can't have those those thoughts. But... I kind of hope they do. It'd be, oh, it'd be I'm really having funny. those thoughts. I'm, I'm, count me at the front of the bus for those thoughts. I won't tell my pals over on EST that, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, anyways, if you're one of those guys like ourselves that sometimes like to hear people at a loss for words or completely unhinged, and um, fans losing their minds, every conversation in Edmonton right now with the Edmonton Oilers is uh, is exactly that. Listen, we'll get to the Jets in just a minute. Um, but let's get to the Bombers right off the bat, Remo, because they are back at practice today. Ed Tate reporting from IG Field that, um, you know, they're piping in some crowd noise, getting ready for what should be a raucous atmosphere. Uh, of note, first of all, Jamal Parker is in at quarterback for Winston Rose, which is interesting. We'll kind of get some updates on that as we get closer to the game. Um, but no sign of Dalton shown today at practice. And Nick Dembski was out there, but not in a helmet. Um, I guess we haven't heard anything that would preclude Dembski from being in this game, although maybe he's been dealing with something. He didn't play in Calgary. Going to get him as ready as possible for the weekend. I, I fully expect Nick Dembski to play. But the Dalton Schoen question continues to, uh, continues to be a hot topic around here in Winnipeg. I will say this. I did catch a little bit of Osh on uh, the OB uh, call-in show with DT last night. Shout out to Gail, who uh, I think did a better job than most of the media at getting a little bit of information out of Mike O'Shea. Take this for what it's worth. It was a call-in show, a very nice lady calling in and you know asking Mike a couple questions and saying she really wanted to know about Dalton Schoen. And I took it from Mike O'Shea that he still has a level of confidence that Dalton Schoen might be able to be out there. So um, it was far from, he, he sounded, he sounded positive and he sounded optimistic. Now that is not a report. Um, that was just the feeling I got from, uh, from coach O'Shea. And he is about as guarded as uh, anybody in professional sports when it comes to it. But like, 
Hammer said yesterday, this team certainly does have a history of doing whatever it takes to get guys on the field in the biggest moments. And um, you know that Alcatcher is working around the clock to give Dalton Schoen the best chance of helping his team on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, we all remember Chris Streveler. What, didn't he play on a broken ankle in the yeah. in the Grey Cup? And what? So you never know. I mean, these football doctors, we've seen them do magical stuff. I remember what Terrell Owens, his quick recovery from – from a broken leg. Uh, I mean, that's a while ago now in, in the NFL. But, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. And, and as far as people asking about Dembski, he was there not wearing a helmet. Uh, Derek Taylor also tweeted out us he hadn't seen a lot of Jackson Jeffcoat mm-hmm. out there. And Theadric Hansen was in. And look, it is Tuesday. The game is Saturday. I'm not... I don't think you can take too much of these early practice reports i think if it's like thursday friday and guys aren't out there um you know maybe you can start to get worried but it's again it's early this team is going to be prepared um but yeah dalton schoen is the one to watch for sure and um who and dt also tweeted he's waiting to see how much rashid bailey is in action but he hasn't he hasn't updated on that we talked about that one yesterday but I'm not worried. Uh, Like, if she needs a couple days of light practice or just being out there with his teammates, and I think I'll throw Dembski in that category as well. Um, Listen, do what you got to do. Have the guys ready for Saturday. I mean, there'll be lots of tape that they'll be watching. I mean, they'll be preparing uniquely for the British Columbia Lions and their sets and plans and, you know, recent video that they've got, obviously, from this game against Calgary and their last matchup. But I do think those guys will be there. The The big question, though, is Dalton Schoen. I mean, the last time we saw him, last time we saw him was actually on Instagram over at Modern Man on Pembina with that cute dog Toby they've got there. But it was on the sidelines. It was on the sidelines wearing that walking boot. So um, there has not been any updates. They've been somewhat mysterious about it. But all I can tell you is that Gail put the coach's feet to the fire yesterday and without really saying anything, did give up did give off an air of optimism that Dalton Schoen would be a big part of that. And, and that would be so huge. I mean, Dusty rolled out, you know, we were talking about this game. And by the way, the uh, Bombers did open as four and a half point favorites in the game over at Kulbet. Um, this, this game is going to feature arguably six of the, to- like assuming Schoen is part of the game, six of the top 10, 12 receivers in the entire Canadian Football League. I mean, it really is an incredible matchup. And while I know we'll talk a lot about the offenses, I think really it's going to come down to the performance of the two defenses as to which can neutralize high-powered offense on the other side of the ball. Um, Turnovers will be huge. Um, Because you know that if the Bombers get up in this football game, they will look to run the football, control the football, keep it out of Vernon Adams' hands. And... um, be in a commanding position in the fourth quarter, the exact opposite of the way they had to kind of come back from a late 10-point deficit to get that one to overtime and win the game that eventually determined that this game would be played here in Winnipeg. Yeah, I'm looking at the CFL Division All-Stars, Huss. On offense, there are 12 All-Star, you know, there's 12 positions, and only two of them are not from Winnipeg or B.C., in the West, and that's uh, Sean McEwen at center and Reggie Bagleton, uh, receiver, and, and yeah, Schoen, Hatcher, 
uh, Alex Hollins, Dembski. Uh, you know, there's so many, so much star power on offense in this game. But yes, uh, which defense can step up? And we know the Bombers' defense at home in the playoffs uh, very strong. And I think there were five and a half point favorites last year, and but that was with Nathan, you know, Nathan Rourke on one leg at quarterback. And this year you got uh, Vernon Adams. So. And who DT also tweeting out, you know, how it, you know the lines were moved throughout the year. Let's see, the Bombers were minus seven and a half in week three, minus six and a half week nine. And that was the one that they uh, dominated. And week 18, they were uh, road dogs plus one. So uh, shout out to Derek Taylor with that interesting line history. Yeah, well, that was pretty much a pick em, uh, between these two teams yeah. playing for it. We know what happened with the Bombers coming back to win. And uh, now the line doesn't really matter. You know what matters on Saturday is the money line. Who's going to win the damn game? Uh, And the Bombers are a favorite, but, um, you know, deservedly so after beating, winning the season series and winning in BC the way they did. Um, But I'll tell you what, this is going to be a, well, I'm looking forward to talking about it with Justin Dunk coming up in a few minutes. I mean, uh, game of the year. And the bar was raised pretty damn high between these two teams, as we mentioned in that regular season finale. Uh, between the two clubs. Uh, We will kind of really dive into tonight's Jets game in a little bit with Mike McIntyre, who's going to join us from uh, St. Louis. Um, But Remo, I have to admit, I'm a little surprised that uh, Connor Hellebuck's going back at it tonight. I figured that Helly would maybe get the night off. I know that the plan originally was to play Lorraine Brossois at some point this week. Um, That didn't happen and I thought that Connor Hellebuck had not a great start to the game against Arizona, but certainly finished strong. And um, maybe the the feeling is that he's feeling it right now. Let him go in for a big game on the road against St. Louis and then uh, give LB a start at home when uh, the Nashville Predators come to town on Thursday. Yeah, I kind of thought St. Louis uh, as well. You know, last game of the road trip, maybe you think St. Louis is uh, an inferior team and, but they said Brosois would get one of the next two, and you kind of thought, okay, Hellebuck on for three, uh, Brosois on, on for one. I think that's uh, that's what they're doing because what Brosois play? Uh, oh no, it was Hellebuck played against against the Rangers, right? And Brosois yeah. and Brosois was uh, Montreal. So yeah, you had Rangers, and then Hellebuck against uh, Vegas, and then against Arizona. So this is his fourth start in a row. But it does sound like uh, Brossois will get Nashville. And I guess, you know, that kind of does make sense. Like in Nashville, they're a bit lower in the standings than St. Louis. I don't know, by a point. I mean, it's a coin flip. I guess it was figured one or the other. And you hope Brossois is rested against Nashville. These divisional games always seem to be very tight. But I was I was a little surprised. Uh, it seemed like they were doing three and then one. But uh, oh, four and then one. And then so you have uh, Nashville. Dallas, and then a couple days off in New Jersey, and then the back-to-back next Friday, um, the 17th and 18th, with Buffalo and Arizona. And I'm assuming, you know, I don't know, they'll, they'll, they'll split those two games. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, so, I mean, listen, that's the kind of the way it's looking right now. Hellebuck tonight, LB Thursday, Hellebuck against Dallas, Hellebuck against New Jersey next Tuesday, and then a split one way or the other between the Buffalo Sabres on the Friday night and uh, the Saturday night game, November 18th against 
the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, no surprise, no real change to the lineup tonight. Connor Shifley, Ayafalo, Perfetti, Nemetsnikov, Ehlers, Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton, Baron Kapari, Gustafson, Dominic Toninato, the extra skater, and the defense pairings of Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan Pionk, Sandberg, and Schmidt, with Logan Stanley and Declan Chisholm being the extras. Um, we'll uh, we'll jump in on that. We'll jump uh, in on that. Um, let me uh, like while we're Justin Dunk's going to come on right away. I guess we'll 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 hold off. But Billix had some more on the Nito Niederreiter. Um, his reporting on the Nito Niederreiter stuff. Some good Big J stuff from uh, um, uh, from Billick. So uh, when we finish up with Justin Dunk, we'll kind of talk about that as well. Um, nothing really to report, but a little bit of a clarity about the ask, um, which for Nino at his part on the other side of 30, interesting comparables with the Marcus Foligno contract in Minnesota um, and probably discussing similar term and similar length of three to four years at around $4 million per season, which is what Nino is making um, right now. Listen, before we get to... Uh, Justin Dunk, uh, a big shout out to uh, all of our Mo Bros with the Winnipeg Sports Talk team. Uh, we're gonna get some updates from the fellas getting into uh, getting into Friday, but a big thanks to all of them and uh, guys, especially if you're in there, throw the link in for uh, some of your fellow chatters to uh, be able to make a little donation and help us continue raising funds for very important men's health and uh, awareness initiatives. Uh, it's a real fun way to do it. Guys are growing the stashes. Uh, people are walking. 60K this month as well to do it. The link is in the description of this video. Uh, if you want to go in and pop in, we'd really appreciate the support for the Movember movement. And if you're listening to the podcast, head on over to winnipegsports.com and click on the Movember link if you'd like to, uh, like to help us out. Of course, Modern Man partnering with us on this. They've got eight locations in Winnipeg, including the new locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Got you covered with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com. Um, our friends at Aquatech have uh, a lot planned this winter. Well, it won't as much be pool time, whole home renovations start with Aquatech. Aquatech has thousands of renos as their foundation and can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, your bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. Well, winter is here. Hopefully it won't feel that wintry for everyone that's going to be at IG Field on Saturday, uh, but you know that the cold is just around the corner. Get ready for it over at Manitoba Battery with a big sale to kick off winter and uh, make sure you don't need to be getting boosted when things get real cold. It is the uh, winter-ready sale. Manitoba Battery already has the best prices in town on batteries of all makes and models, beating the pants off the big box stores. And right now, you'll save an extra $10 off all automotive batteries at Manitoba Battery. It's that simple. Head on over to manitobabattery.com. Find out details on the sale and all the purchase products available. And guess what? Any battery over 60 bucks, any purchase, they'll send it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg. So you don't even need to leave your, leave your home. Uh, again, order at manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 783-8787. 
And uh, you can always pop by and see him in person. Free battery testing as well at 1026 Logan Avenue. Just before we bring in Justin Dunk, big shout out to our friends at Canadian Club. There's going to be a lot of that poured on the st- at the stadium on the weekend. Of course, CC is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and a proud sponsor of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Whether you're uh, at the Rum Hut in the North End or uh, anywhere in the stadium, uh, you'll be able to uh, enjoy the great taste of Canadian Club. And if you're over beer, try the uh, CC and Ginger, which is also available in cans. You can pick that up at your local beer store as well. And, of course, the entire Canadian Club family available for you for the weekend. Coming up at uh, your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And while you're there, see if they've uh, got any of that 15-year-old Sherry Cask, the special CC Invitation Series, which was just launched on the weekend at $79.99. This weekend at the game, and always remember to enjoy responsibly. All right, Bombers, Lions, Alouettes, Argos. What a final four we've gotten to uh, break it all down and look ahead to championship weekend in the CFL. We welcome in Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation. Dunk, what's up, buddy? How are you? Doing well, man. Out in Van City preparing for the Hardy Cup, University of Alberta at the University of British Columbia. All kinds of Canadian football going on this weekend, buddy. Yeah, well, you know, just quickly on U Sports, um, uh, we are still in shock as to how the Bisons actually made the playoffs at the end of that Calgary game. I don't know if you want to touch on that, whether that was the biggest coaching malpractice you've ever seen in your life. Uh, the Bisons actually hung there with the uh, with the T-Birds on the weekend. That was that was a game. It certainly was. And really, for the most part, the Bisons were in the lead. And I would say, you know, for most of the first half, they were in control of that game. And the way that they got there has been dubbed now the Manitoba Miracle against Calgary, final week of the regular season. Not much time left on the clock. Nick Conway picks up a fumble, takes it back to the end zone, and they still needed a two-point convert. To get it done in terms of point differential to get into the playoffs, Deshaun Lejeur catches the pass from quarterback Jackson Tachinsky, who has CFL upside. There have been people in the CFL and in U Sports talk about how Tachinsky can be just as athletic, if not better in those departments than Chris Strevler. And he might already be a better passer than Strevler. So teams already have their eyes on Tachinsky, a very intriguing young and developing prospect who I think could have the ability to be an impact guy in the CFL. And he looked very comfortable with Manitoba on the road. The Bisons have never still won a postseason game at UBC. That streak continues, but that game was there for Manitoba to win. There were some penalty calls that went against Manitoba that were very ticky-tack. I was analytical and difficult on the officiating crew at UBC. Alan Laird was that head ref because I felt like they were just getting in the way of the game. And until UBC kind of woke up, especially in the fourth quarter with Canada West all-star Garrett Rooker, quarterback Isaiah Knight, a dynamic runner, and the defense finally put Manitoba to bed, that they were in that thing and playing with house money. That's what Brian Doby said, and you could tell because they were playing fast and loose for most of that game. But as it went along, you could sense that, oh, there's more pressure on Manitoba or that they're feeling it more because they're feeling like they could win. But all in all, I think a great battle from the Bisons in the Hardy Cup semifinal. You know, you mentioned Jackson Tachinsky. Um, 
I, I will a great two sport athlete as well. Actually plays on the um, U of M basketball team as well. Um, and it's great. I mean, it's interesting that he's now being thought of as a pro prospect. That's great news for him and the program. And I will give a shout out to his mom. Big fan of Winnipeg Sports Talk. She introduced me at a game. I was introduced to her at a game a while ago. So hopefully she's listening and she'll be very happy um, for her son. Just before we get to Bombers, I just I have to ask you about the Calgary game. Have you ever seen anything like that? Why in the world were they running a play? And did the Calgary coaching staff ever talk about that decision afterwards? You know, <laughs> they haven't yet talked about it, at least on the record. And there were so many things going on there, but I think it's because of the result of the play while everybody's so critical about it. But there were so many other things that you could talk about they could have done. They could have ran around with whoever they wanted to, be it their quarterback, Don Britton, or somebody else, to waste the rest of that clock and stepped out of the end zone, and they still would have had the point differential to get into the playoffs. So the way it went down with the Matthew Clark fumble and then Conway picking it up certainly led to a lot of people analyzing it from that perspective. But all in all, if you hold on to the football, you're going to win the game. So I think that would have been the case, even if they would have tried to milk the clock a different way. But, you know, I really want people to realize how good of an athlete Jackson Tachinsky is. You mentioned basketball there. I would bet that he's now going to just focus on football with this upside to be a CFL level passer. And perhaps if he gets those testing numbers up there, could draw some NFL interest similar to Trey Ford. He's bigger and more well-built than Ford at the same time in their U sports careers. But Tachinsky is the real deal. Brian Doby has talked about it with current Blue Bombers general manager Kyle Walters in terms of how Walters sees him from a scouting perspective. And from what I was told from Doby, it was actually Walters who brought up the Chris Trevler comparison. So Tachinsky is a very intriguing kid. I think he has heck Crichton type of upside there at the U of M. Bison's fans should be excited for the rest of his time there. Uh, by the way, Remus has the uh, Movember link up in the uh, chat right now, folks, if you were uh, looking to uh, jump on that and uh, help the fellas out with the cause. All right, well, you're out in BC. The BC Lions are coming here to the peg for a game that we have been waiting for really all season long, especially when you consider the absolute all-time classic that these teams played in that rubber match a few weeks ago to determine the uh, who would be hosting this game. What did you think about BC's, um, the way they looked against Calgary, sort of steamrolling the stamps after a hot start by the visitors? Um, and what's the vibe around BC, around this Lions? It's some great crowds. There seems to be some momentum before around this team. And uh, they, I'm sure, are coming in with some confidence knowing uh, what that team is capable of. There's a great vibe in terms of the fans in downtown Vancouver was packed on Saturday night, you had UBC winning at home. Then you had the Lions game. And right after it, the Canucks beat the Stars 2-0 very handily. So lots of excitement here for the Vancouver sports team. But specifically for the BC Lions, Mardoman has done a great job putting his money where his mouth is, investing in this team. And he's seen attendance go up so much so that they had to open that upper deck at BC Place. And there was a noticeable level of crowd noise there that the Stampeders had to deal with. I made it over for part of the end of that game after calling the UBC win at Thunderbird Stadium. And it was loud in that building. Fans were proud. Vernon Adams Jr. played really well. But it is an entirely different test, as you know, Hustler, 
for this BC team to now go outside of the friendly confines of BC Place into that Winnipeg cold. I've heard there's been some snow coming down out there as well in the Manitoba capital. So I'm very curious to see how the Lions look and warm up. Are they comfortable? Do we see any guys going through that tough guy routine with their shirts off in the cold on BC side? And do they actually really look comfortable there? Because the Blue Bombers have done this time and time again. It's what they practice in. They're used to this. They're built for this. So it's a much different test. You know, um, Vernon Adams can be a real problem, and he was for Calgary on uh, on Saturday. The one thing, Justin, that is, oh, listen, it's just going to need to be a priority for Winnipeg, but I, I'm interested in your perspective on this, is their ability to get pressure but to keep him in the pocket. I, I mean, I can think of a number of times this season where the Bombers have been gashed for 25, 30-yard runs for quarterbacks by frankly, just getting maybe a little too excited over pursuing and having the quarterback get out beyond that first level and then pick up big, big plays. He was doing it all on Saturday. That is one of the specialties of Vernon Adams. What do you make of the Bombers' challenge to contain VA and to not to basically make him beat them with his arm and not get out for those big chunk plays running after uh, you know breaking down? It's easy to say, but it's a completely other thing to actually execute on the field. I believe Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat and Adam Bighill in that front can get it done. You have to rush him in a controlled way. And I've experienced this myself from playing university football in this country as a dual threat quarterback, how teams rushed me. Some teams called it a mush rush. You can't get up past the quarterback. Otherwise, that leaves all kinds of lanes for a guy who has running ability to escape. And I know that because I've done it myself at the U sports level, and we're seeing that from Vernon Adams Jr. But I think Winnipeg, especially in playoff time with lots of time to prepare for this game, probably at least guessing or having a good idea that was going to be BC, are ready to rush him. I think they've shown after that blowout win that BC had there early in the season, that they know how to defend Vernon Adams Jr. now. And it's going to be much different in the elements in terms of ball handling. And just does Vernon Adams Jr. look comfortable in the freezing cold in Winnipeg? So I think it's very easy. They just have to come at him in a controlled way. And Willie Jefferson, with all those knockdowns he's piled up, can just get his hands up. Just don't get past Vernon Adams Jr. in the pocket. Ideally, you get a push up the middle. And then if he tries to break contain outside of the pocket, you have Willie Jefferson or Jackson Jeffcoat with those long arms. Don't get out leveraged. I think it's a simple game plan that the Bombers can employ to keep Vernon Adams Jr. in the pocket and make him beat you from there consistently while you're mixing up coverage. Um, Justin, on the other side of the football, the British Columbia Lions are going to have their hands full with the bomber rushing attack. Brady Oliveira's had an MOP season. He, of course, is the West candidate going up against Chad Kelly for the award. And that style of play is made for November outside in Winnipeg. Um, you know, hopefully Rashid Bailey's going to be there because I think he's an underrated part of that bomber rushing game. I mean, uh, you know, having the receivers really buy in and take a piece, but... We know it starts on the offensive line. Um, give us your breakdown on the challenge that BC has um, 
to try to not let the Bombers just keep the ball, move the chains. Um, how difficult will that be? And is that the key to victory for the Bombers from an offensive standpoint, even with all the incredible receiving talent they have in Zach Caleros? I do believe it's a major part of the key to victory, and this is a massive challenge for BC. Yes, Matthew Betts at the single-season sack record for Canadians with 18 this year, but he's not quite as good against the run. Fortunately for BC, they decided that Sione Tehama, their other outstanding defensive lineman who bookends Betts, was going to sit out against Calgary, accept that suspension so he could be ready for this game. He's much better against the run, but... The very difficult part about playing the Blue Bombers, especially with Mike O'Shea as head coach, is he is so smart in terms of how he manages the game from a field position standpoint in special teams. It seems like the offense usually is working on a shorter field than their opponent and more times than not, much shorter fields than the opposition. So they get it done that way, and then they use that running game to really control the pace and bang away at you. And the most impressive thing about Brady Oliveira this season, all the stats, you know, 2000 scrimmage yards and over 1500 rushing yards is what he's able to do, especially in fourth quarters. This guy is like Mariano Rivera as a closer. He gets it done. You put the ball in his hands behind that big physical offensive line that we know so well about. And yes, the tackles have been solid, Stanley Bryant and Jermarcus Hardrick. But I don't think enough people have talked about Chris Kolonkowski in the middle. Might be the best center in the CFL. It's a big physical group. Obviously, Patty Newfeld is in there as well. This is a very tall task for BC. And I think that in and of itself is going to decide who wins this football game. If Brady Oliveira rushes for around 100 yards, the Bombers are winning. It's pretty much that simple. Um, we often overlook special teams and the intangibles in these games, and it's the three-down game. I mean, there is more special teams play, more kicking than in four than for a four-down football. Um, both kickers have been nails this year. I mean, Castillo's been awesome. We know what Sean White's done. The return game's been up and down. It changes big time with Janari and Grant being there, but we've seen how explosive BC is. I mean, is there an advantage on either side, in your opinion, when it comes to special teams? Ooh, you know, you mentioned the kickers, and yes, they're very good. But I think the advantage goes to the Blue Bombers because of Mike O'Shea and how well he manages field position. And that also spreads out to the rest of his staff, right? That is part of the determining factor on some of the plays that they'll run on offense that Buck Pierce calls is that field position is in the back of their mind they don't want to give opposing offenses like Vernon Adams Jr. any short fields to work with so I don't think there's going to be a lot of risky plays there even though there's so many people in Winnipeg talking about well Zach Calaris has thrown more interceptions than he did last season it was only a couple and there can be so many things that factor into that I still think and for my money Calaris was actually the MOP of the entire league this year it might be an entirely different conversation but it also factors into Richie Hall's defensive game calling as well. It's just something that is so under the radar with the Bombers that they are usually winning the field position battle, creating shorter fields for the offense. We all know that over time that is going to lead more to more points for your own team. And it's something that is not really talked about a lot. And I know O'Shea doesn't give things away and he's not going to talk about it publicly. If you watch this team on Saturday, I was about to say Sunday, but I guess – Everybody in Winnipeg is hoping that that's a Sunday Grey Cup that they're playing in. Be, be very aware of that. That is something that you can look at that really changes the game for Winnipeg in a subtle way. 
Uh, hey, just before we get to the East, you mentioned that you were a big proponent of Zach Caleros being the MOP. Um, Brady won it. I, I wouldn't say it was very controversial around here. I don't know whether it was a little bit of Zach fatigue um, or maybe people remembered some of the quarterback mistakes more than what happened with the running back. But are you just uh, putting one up for the QB union as a former QB here or um, uh, just quickly break <laughs> it down? Because I know people would be interested in your take on why Zach Caleros was overlooked. I respect all the Winnipeg media voters. I think that needs to be said first and foremost. And Brady Oliveira did have an outstanding season. I just think when you compare Calaris to the other years that he won MOP and what he means to this team, if you took him away from this team and let's say Drew Brown was the starter, I don't think they're the number one seed in the West. All due respect to Brown and his upside, and we're probably going to get a chance to see him as a starter next season somewhere. It was Zach Calaris to me that I think a lot of people did get that voter fatigue on. And part of the reason why Oliveira can be so good is because of what Calaris does throwing the football, but also his scrambling ability. He doesn't have a lot of rushing yards or rushing touchdowns, but that scrambling ability opens up lanes for Oliveira in the run game. They have a dynamic receiving core. You talked about Rashid Bailey there. We can talk about Kenny Lawler, Dalton Schoen, Nick Dembski. These guys all over the receiving core that he trusts, Drew Walletarski, have been integral, I think, to this group as a team. So it's really tight. There were some difficult decisions to be made, but you know, I compared some of the numbers and went back to Doug Flutie's run of when he won four straight MOPs in the mid-90s. And there was a year in there where his teammate, Alan Pitts, set the record that still stands, CFL single-season receiving record, and he did have the CFL single-season touchdown record for receivers until Milt Stiegel came along and broke that. But the yardage record still stands, and Flutie won it over Pitts, one of the greatest receivers in CFL history. So I think that Flutie got the benefit of the doubt, and there was a lack of voter fatigue and I think in this instance, there were some people that maybe didn't want to put Calaris in that echelon with Doug Flutie, even though I think he belongs there. Ryan Dinwiddie has told me that he believes Calaris has played Doug Flutie like football here the last number of years. So I just think his greatness, especially this year, has been taken for granted just a little bit in the Manitoba Capitol. Well, and, and listen, I mean, I think around the league, there's somewhat a bomber fatigue. Um and I guess we'll find out when uh, we'll find out when the votes come in. That being said, I think I can safely say that the Bombers don't care much about those personal awards if they're holding up the ultimate prize coming up in a couple Sundays in Hamilton. Um, as far as who the Bombers or Lions are playing will be determined earlier on Saturday. The Argos have had an incredible season. Um, the Montreal Alouettes, like everybody outside of Winnipeg and Calgary who beat Toronto, have really felt it, um, but they are coming off a nice win against Hamilton. They played very well against everybody not named Winnipeg, BC, or Toronto. I thought we were talking with Dustin Nielsen on the lock shop before the lines came out. I thought this would be sort of like seven and a half for Toronto. It's ten and a half. Um, there's not a lot of people giving Montreal much of a chance. Do they have any, Justin? I think they do, and I would actually lean to taking the Alouettes with that kind of a massive spread, yeah, to be quite honest. Not straight up, but on that spread. And I think the reason why that spread is so high, Hustler, is because the Alouettes are 12-0 and against teams that are sub-500. 
and 0-7 against Toronto, Winnipeg, and BC. So they are a great team against the awful teams, for lack of a better term, this year. And they have yet to prove that they are a legit contender with even one win against the other top teams, quote, in the CFL. So I think that's why they come in as heavy underdogs. Montreal kind of plays boring but effective football. Cody Fajardo during the regular season, 14 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. They've moved some different running backs in and out of there. William Stanback is the name guy, but Walter Fletcher has been really good. Jeshron Antwi can get it done as a Canadian as well. We know Austin Mack has become a star in the receiving core, but he's kind of had a quieter stretch here of late going down into the playoffs on defense. They're opportunistic. They are second in the league in terms of turnover differential. Only two, those Argonauts that they're going to play this week. Marc-Antoine Decroix was up there tied for second in the CFL with five interceptions. And they kind of just wait for you to make a mistake. The trouble this week is Toronto doesn't do that. Toronto makes plays. They win the field position battle. They have some dynamic threats in the receiving core. A.J. Ouellette is an absolute beast in the running game, as Bombers fans well know from the Grey Cup last year. And the defense is the most opportunistic by a country mile in the league. And they have a defensive line that is so fresh and so deep that at times this year, Sean Oakman was a healthy scratch because other guys were flat out playing better than him. And yes, they wanted to give him some rest, but this Argos team is deep. They're ferocious. They're focused. And it's so cliche, but this team really has taken to the message from Ryan Dinwiddie. That we're trying to go 1-0 and each week. And you've seen it. 16-2, and undefeated when Chad Kelly starts and finishes games this season. He's the real key. He just kind of keeps this team ticking along, has set that leadership for this group as well. And they are a heck of a team to try to beat. Not to say that Montreal can't do it, but I have a hard time seeing the Alouettes go toe-to-toe, especially offensively with the Argos. Um, Justin, interesting coming out of the uh, the East Semi, uh, the comments of uh, Bo Levi Mitchell afterwards. Um, like, where did the Ticats go from here, and what's the future of Bo Levi in the CFL? Oh, boy. <laughs> there is so much to get into there in Ticat land for sure. And Bo Levi Mitchell said it. He said, if you're not going to play your highest paid player in a playoff game, I probably don't see myself being here. Yes, he is under contract for the 2024 season. But there's no guarantees in there. There's an offseason bonus. But you would imagine that the Ticats aren't going to want to pay him over $500,000 again based on what he did in 2023 through a bunch of picks didn't look great for most of the season, had some flashes of the old bow, but I don't think that vintage Bo Levi Mitchell is walking through that door anytime soon. And I wonder if he's the type of guy that is going to be okay accepting a backup role, let's say for a hundred thousand or 150,000 plus incentives, because he could probably make close to that kind of money. If you went in on the TSN panel or got on the broadcast booth to do some color analysis, I do think he has a bright future there. He is one of the main needle movers in the CFL. When Bo talks, it's news. And we see that based on the traffic on 3 Obviously, those comments, a lot of people wanted to read. But Bo Levi Mitchell is one of the stars of this league. And I think there's going to be a difficult decision here. Does he want to continue on 
playing football. He still seems to have some of that fire, but I don't know if it's to the level of where he was even a few years back. So there are lots of decisions to be made in Hamilton on Bo Levi Mitchell and on that coaching staff. The Rough Riders have an opening opening in Saskatchewan, and Scott Milanovic is certainly on their list of a guy that they would like to at least talk to about that position. But if you're Hamilton, you're thinking, well, you know, if he's wanted by the team in the West Division, why don't we talk to this guy? Because Orlando Steinauer has had one great year in 2019, but that's when they had co-general managers, and he could just focus on being coach. They've gotten worse or been under 500 the last few seasons. And I think that is going to cause some changes in the front office. We'll see how it goes along here. Uh, Dunk, just quickly, I want to go south of the border. You've uh, been on Rourke Watch all season long, and I know uh, paying very close attention to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Where's Rourke at right now? And what's the, uh, I mean, assuming that he doesn't get into action this year, where does his career take him going forward, knowing that, I mean, what a young quarterback like that needs is an opportunity to show what he can do? At the moment, I would say he's developing and earning the trust of the Jaguars coaching staff in Jacksonville, Doug Peterson, the head coach, being the main one. He dressed on the road for Thursday night football when the Jaguars went into New Orleans and beat the Saints because Trevor Lawrence had an issue with his knee, was wearing a brace, and they wanted to utilize that third quarterback rule that was implemented after the disaster that was the San Francisco 49ers quarterback situation in the NFC Championship game last year. The week after, he wasn't on the active roster, went back down to the practice squad, but still made the trip to Pittsburgh for that win over the Steelers. The Jags are 6-2, and two, and actually – There's a late season game that I've kind of been thinking, you know, is this Nathan Rourke territory? Last game of the regular season for the Jags is in Tennessee. And if Jacksonville keeps it going, they have a young, aggressive defense, some intriguing playmakers on offense. Obviously, Lawrence is there, but Travis Etienne Jr. is having a heck of a season that they get a playoff spot locked up and there's not anything to play for in terms of the standings in that final regular season week. I wonder if we see Rourke, odds are C.J. Beathard would get some of that time in case he's forced into action. But I think with Rourke, we need to look at 2024 with him. I think he's gaining the confidence of that coaching staff in Jacksonville, while at the same time showing other NFL teams who could potentially come and get him that he's committed to the NFL, that he's improving at that game, and that 2024 is going to be a big year for him. His practice squad salary is guaranteed for this season. He'll make $221,000 USD. And every time he gets called up for a game, like he did a week ago, he'll get about, I think it was $46,000 U.S. on top of that. So he's developing with eyes towards next year, legitimately competing to be the backup in Jacksonville or for someone else to come and get him. Dunk, great stuff. Hey, just on the way out, uh, fill people in on uh, what uh, you're going to be doing outside of the CFL because a big U-Sports weekend. It is a massive U-Sports weekend. I'm already out in Vancouver for the Hardy Cup. The Golden Bears playing in this game for the first game in a long time. UBC hosting the Hardy Cup for the first time since 1999. They've won it since then, but the first time that it's been at Thunderbird Stadium. It was beautiful weather last Saturday when Manitoba was here for that game. We'll see how it turns out weather-wise on Saturday for the Hardy Cup. But there's lots of playmakers on both sides of the ball. 
with the T-Birds and the Golden Bears. For UBC, Garrett Rooker, an outstanding quarterback, Canada West Conference All-Star. Isaiah Knight is a talented running back that has pro in his future. They have Sam Davenport, their number one receiver, a Simon Fraser University transfer that made some crucial catches in that game against Manitoba to get a win in the Hardy Cup semi. Shamar McBean has track athlete kind of speed at receiver for UBC as well. Ryan Baker in the linebacking core was a quarterback who they flipped over to defensive back. And then with Alberta, Matthew Peterson had a heck of a season running the football. Eli Hetlinger has come on as a quarterback for the Golden Bears. Carter Kettle has had a dynamic season. Colby Herford is a guy that can take the top off in an absolute hurry. And one guy that I think a lot of people should pay attention to and the Golden Bears secondary is Tyshawn Blackburn. The Golden Bears defense is being coached by former CFL linebacker A.J. Gass. They have a real physical style to them. So this game is going to be an absolute slobber knocker and one that's really entertaining for Canadian fans. Dunk, great stuff. Um, love having you on the program. Keep up the awesome work at uh, Three Down Nation. And I hope we'll see you in the hammer in a couple weeks. Sounds good, buddy. Appreciate it. There's uh, Justin Dunk. Make sure to give him a, a follow on Twitter at jdunk12 and check out all of his work along with our pal John Hodge over at Three Down Nation. All right, it's game day. We're going to get to the Jets and head down to St. Louis in just a moment. Don't forget, the Jets are back at home for a five-game homestand beginning on Thursday against the Nashville Predators, Saturday at 2 against the Dallas Stars. The New Jersey Devils come into town the following Tuesday um, and then uh, big back-to-back with the Buffalo Sabres and Arizona Coyotes in on Friday and Saturday, heading into Grey Cup weekend. Go to winnipegjets.com for tickets for all the events. And don't forget, uh, they're doing a moose night, um, kind of recognizing uh, the uh, players in the Winnipeg Jets lineup that started off with the moose. And I believe the first 5,000 fans are going to be getting a poster featuring Perfetti, Connor, and Morrissey from their Moose days. So uh, might be a great Thursday night game, big divisional matchup. Uh, let's uh, see if we can get a few more butts in the seats down at Canada Life Centre and uh, hopefully coming off a couple straight wins on the road if the Jets can get it done tonight. Um, hey, got to thank our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, and I will inform all of you to pay close attention to the show over the next couple days. Uh, because we're working on what is going to be a really fun promo with Vita Health for Men's Health Month um, with an awesome prize to be given out on the last day of the month. Um, and potentially, we may have to do it marble style um, with some qualifiers throughout the month. So we're just finalizing details of actually how we're going to run it. But um, I think tomorrow or Thursday at the latest, we'll get the contest going with your chance to win a uh, an incredible piece of hockey memorabilia courtesy of our friends over at Vita Health Fresh Market, who, of course, have great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, groceries. And uh, it's Men's Health Month, guys. Prairie Naturals offers Canada's number one line of men's health supplements formulated to help support the changing needs of a man's body. Proust Force is an evidence-based formulation of key nutritional and phytochemical ingredients researchers recommend for prostate health. 
The supplements can help males address the challenges with prostate health, andropause, low libido, low testosterone, stress, male energy and performance. And they're on sale all month for Men's Health Month at Vita Health. Empowering people to lead healthy lives. Pop down and see them. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Um, Wallace and Wallace are the overhead door specialists in town. Listen, we've seen their fences and trucks all over the city, um, but they also are the Clopay dealer in Manitoba with the biggest selection of overhead doors in the city. And that overhead garage door of yours had a lot of ups and downs this summer and fall, uh, but it's going to work a lot harder in the winter because winter puts much more stress on that garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that, of course, is Wallace & Wallace. And just before we bring in Mike McIntyre, guys, holidays are just around the corner. If you're looking in your closet and realizing, damn, I need to up up my menswear game um, all it takes is a quick trip down to see the fellas at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Um, get measured up for their custom suits, looking great and fitting perfectly, beginning at just 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. And if you are getting married or in a wedding party, don't waste your money renting tuxes. Talk to the fellas at F. You get a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. Check them out online or make an appointment at F. That's E-P-H-Apparel.com. All right, to the loo we go. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press joins us now before tonight's 7 o'clock puck drop between the Jets and Blues. Mike, what's going on? How's the, uh, how's the road trip been? It's uh, it's been tremendous, and you know, Huss, I thought maybe I'd left the the hot weather behind uh, when I left the desert last night after a bit of an extended stay in Arizona. But it is absolutely scorching today in St. Louis. I believe it's like twenty nine or thirty degrees out right now. I just oh. had about a a one mile walk from the rink back to my hotel, and uh, uh, yeah, it is. I, it's toasty out. Uh, Toasted ravioli is the specialty here in St. Louis, and anyone stepping outside is getting toasted right now. So nothing but great weather because, of course, it was nice in Vegas, really nice in uh, in Tempe, and had a little bit of uh, of time off away from the rink with with the Jets playing Saturday afternoon and then sticking around in the area until last evening. Uh, and, yeah, here we are to wrap it up. And uh, so no complaints whatsoever i understand the weather's been well it's it's trending in the right direction back home so maybe uh, maybe i can take credit uh for bringing some warmth back with me on the plane tomorrow well uh yeah we'll we'll see about that uh we'll see what saturday's the day everyone's interested in as to what the conditions are going to look like hey just quickly you mentioned the toasted ravioli did you have it not yet, but I haven't gone for lunch yet, Huss. So Dude, it's on my uh... full full recommendation. Oh, yeah. I uh, I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> I was with some friends in St. Louis one time. They said, "Oh, you have to try this." And uh, eleven out of ten. So I'll be yeah. looking forward to a toasted ravioli review from you in yeah. our next uh, in our next actually, conversation. As I was just leaving the rink a short time ago, I was walking in the concourse by one of the concessions. They actually sell toasted ravioli at the game, Huss. 
Uh, I would advise not wearing the home white jersey or anything white because uh, there's a good chance you're going to end up with some marinara <laughs> all over you, uh, especially if you have a couple of wobbly pops along with your uh, with your toasted marinara or no, with your toasted ravioli. No doubt about that. Um, hey, listen, I want to focus in on tonight's game in a second. Um but you had a couple of really interesting reads in the Freep over the last few days. And I think the one that we certainly talked about all weekend and mentioned on Monday um, was your piece coming out of Vegas in that conversation with Neil Pionk. And I, I think many people knew how close he was um, to, uh, to, 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 to Johnson. But once we read your piece, um, you got a you got a really got a, a, a insight into what Neil Pionk is dealing with, and just how close he was we um, was with him. Um, if you can tell us a little bit about that conversation, and uh, for people that maybe that maybe missed it, um, what Neil Pionk's been going through over the course of the past ten days. Yeah, let me first of all say. Full respect and credit to Neil Pionk, uh, number one, for, for opening up the way he did uh, in a one-on-one with me last week and being as candid and and kind of raw as he was. You, you don't see that necessarily all that often, Huss, from professional athletes. Let's face it, a lot of times athletes will put on a, a brave face, a, a stiff upper lip, and they don't necessarily talk about their emotions all that much. Maybe the emotion of a game, but not personal. And I must admit, um, I had a sense that that Neil was, you know, was ready to talk. And and I was surprised uh, just how you know insightful he was. And and some of his comments, you know, Hus, when he, so I talked to him. It was actually on Friday um, in uh, in Tempe. Once we got to Arizona. Uh, and you know when he when he told me how in the quiet moments that's when he uh, you know when he's kind of alone with his thoughts that that's when he's really struggling and then he mentioned one particular incident from Thursday night in the game against the Golden Knights where Neil Pionk took a penalty and you know he said I, I'm sitting there in the penalty box and all I can think about is Adam Johnson we knew they were close. I didn't realize just how close until I talked to Neil. Um, Adam Johnson was a groomsman at his at his wedding two years ago. They spoke, you know, almost daily. Um, Neil, as you saw in the the headline there, you know, looked at him almost like a brother. Adam Johnson's family was like a second family to Neil Pionk, uh, and so you know to 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 hear him reflect on on just how much this had impacted him. And then, you know, he talked quite a bit about how it was almost a blessing to be on the road with the guys. And the Jets were doing a lot of stuff, you know, this past week. They had like a Halloween party last week that was a lot of fun by all accounts, a couple team dinners. Um, So there's been a lot of time for, you know, team bonding. And, you know, Neil said that that's helped. And the other thing that's really helped Neil Pionk is having a few teammates who can completely understand what he's going through because they too had a relationship with Adam Johnson. And I'm talking, of course, about Alex Iafalo, who, you know, next to Neil Pionk was extremely close as well with Adam Johnson. And then guys like Dominic Toninato, who knew him, uh, being from Minnesota, uh, and also played college with him, and Rasmus Kapari and Gabe Velarde, who played in the AHL. So, 
you know, that as Neil Pionk told me, like he's been able to lean on some of his teammates and talk about, you know, funny stories and memories of, of Adam Johnson. But as he said, you know, this was weighing on him extremely heavily. And of course, knowing that the funeral was coming up and the celebration of life, which Neil Pionk was asked to speak at, you know, as he said to me, I never envisioned I'd be on a road trip in the NHL writing a speech about my best friend who died playing the same sport that Neil Pionk's playing for a living. Kudos, Huss, to the Jets organization, you know, first-class gesture. Um, after the game on Saturday, they chartered Neil Pionk, Dominic Toninato, Dylan Sandberg, Alex Iafalo to Minnesota so they could be at Adam Johnson's funeral on Sunday and at the celebration of life yesterday. Uh, they then chartered their, those four players back or here to St. Louis to join up with the team last night. And they were all on the ice this morning and they'll play tonight. And, you know, I imagine Huss in a lot of ways, obviously the grief is still enormous. The weight is still heavy, but I'm sure um, there's probably a sense of relief for Neil Pionk because he was, you know, he was kind of looking at this, you know, event, the, the funeral and the celebration of life, obviously it was going to be extremely emotional. Um, so that's now in the rearview mirror. Uh, and as he said, he's always going to be thinking of, of Adam and his family you know, for the rest of his life. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was a first-class gesture of the Jets to allow those players and uh, take care of them to get out there and to come back on this quick two-day break um, fortuitous timing as well to to make that all happen. But, you know, as I read that piece from you on Friday afternoon and again Saturday before going into the game, um, you know, the way I looked at the game and maybe was focusing on Neil Pionk was a little different based on what we'd learned from your article yeah. Um, and again, listen, the game is secondary to everything that, you know, we're talking about right now. But I couldn't help but notice what a purpose that Neil Pionk was playing with. And even in the first period, when frankly, the rest of the team maybe took a little bit of time to get going. I mean, he was uh, there was a, there was a passion in his game. I mean, he was shooting the puck quite a bit. He ended up a plus three with three shots on goal. Um, I was even more impressed with his performance on Saturday after knowing what he'd been going through and um, reading all about it, including that moment in the penalty box, which I think really was an eye-opener for uh, for anybody that read the story. Yeah, it was just raw, you know, emotion being displayed there. And for sure, uh, I, I was watching Neil a lot closer than probably usual as well. And I saw the same thing you did, Huss, inside Mullet Arena. He looked like a man on a mission. Um you know, he got the one assist. I think he actually had a second assist earlier, but then it was taken away because of the the uh, Lowry. Lowry got the assist added because he tipped uh, Brendan Dillon's shot, which Nino Niederreiter got for the hat trick. But uh, regardless, I mean, he looked like he was out there. You know, he was he was out there probably honoring his friend, and and you know that's what he talked about. How much Adam Johnson loved the game. Um, you know, one of the there's so much that's tragic about this story. But as Adam Johnson uh, or as Neil Pionk told me the other day about Adam Johnson, this was going to be his last year of hockey. He was um, upgrading his education. He was taking some college classes. Um, he was engaged to be married. Um, obviously, still loved the sport, but this was going to be it for him. And, you know, to have your life end the way it did. So tragically, if there's... I guess one thing that can come out of this that maybe will be part of Adam Johnson's legacy that 
and Neil Pionk touched on this as well. It's the, the safety element that we're now seeing, including a lot of Jets players. Morgan Barron, the latest, he added his yesterday. Neil Pionk started wearing one last week and a bunch of other Jets as well. But we're now seeing more players you know, across the NHL and a lot of leagues, of course. Junior hockey's made them um, a requirement. Uh, and so that will, ulti- you know, maybe Adam Johnson ends up saving another life um, down the road because of what happened to him and the, the changes that get made to the sport for the better. But um, yeah, it's been a real heavy time. And, you know, Huss, I, I had a really lengthy sit down this morning here in St. Louis with uh, with Jets captain Adam Lowry, kind of talk about his first month as captain and, you know, challenges and what he's learned, any surprises. But we spent a lot of time talking about the emotional side of things and and just how heavy things have been for the Jets. When you figure, Huss, that, you know, you had uh, Judy Bonus suffers a, um, a seizure and obviously very serious health concerns there, and Rick Bonus will miss a seventh straight game tonight. The, the team is very much thinking of the Bonus family. Um, you know, you obviously have Adam Johnson and the connection to the team. You have all the emotions of Blake Wheeler's return in the first month, P.L. Dubois' return in the first month. You have the excitement for a guy like Billy Hainala, who then has that horrible, you know, injury right before the season starts. You have all the excitement of Gabe Velarde, one of the new players, and playing against his old team, and then he gets hurt and a significant injury. There's been a lot that the Jets have had to deal with a lot of heavy things um, that really don't have anything to do with the game itself. And so Adam, you know, talked quite candidly with me about how it's been a lot more than probably anybody bargained for and just kind of the ways they've navigated that. But also I think in a way, Haas and, and Neil Pionk talked about this and so did Adam Lowry with me today. There's a bonding that's happening with this group. Um, you know, there's some unity because of a lot of what's gone on, uh, these guys are gelling. And it, it helps to be on the road the way they've been here, where they spend a lot of time. They're not all going back to their own families, their own houses. They've got each other. And I think they're, they're a stronger group because of it. Well, and, and, and I mean, and let's take this to what we saw on the ice at Mullet Arena. Uh, underwhelming first period, down one nothing. Um, and then Mark Shifley makes an uncharacteristic uh, mistake, uh, the freest of free pizzas right in front of the net that went in, and all of a sudden it was 2 nothing. And more fragile teams than this one um, may have wilted in the past. And, and, and listen, it wasn't, you know, Shifley-Connor, that line that so much has relied on, as well as the power play, hadn't been going. Right. And you mentioned Adam Lowry as the captain. I mean, once again, that line. With Nito Niederreiter and Mason Appleton, not to mention Brendan Dillon, take over that hockey game. And, I mean, the first goal that got the Jets on the uh, on the board was, I mean, frankly, a play that you would expect from a first line. And it just goes to show how those guys are going right now. Um, and we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about, you know, you look at the scoring leaders on the Winnipeg Jets, and, you know, no longer is it Shifley and Connor, Gap, and then everybody else. Right. I mean, there's seven players at either nine points or eight points, and it includes all of the players on that line. I mean, we've talked about the analytic numbers, where they rank around the National Hockey League, and 
I mean, call them whatever number you want. This line is driving things for the Winnipeg Jets and uh, what a performance they had when they kind of needed to pick up a guy that had been so important in a lot of other cases uh, like normal in Mark Shifley. Yeah, and, you know, the way that line is going, they're they're playing like a number one line. They're producing like a number one line. Hus, how many times during the summer, during the offseason, were we talking about who's going to be the Jets' number two center? Well, Mark Shifley might be the number two center right now uh, because Adam Lowry is all of a sudden the number one center playing on the number one line. Um, yeah, I mean, we get we get caught up in numbering lines. They are not a traditional third line. And it has been, you know, I, I wrote a piece on Mason Appleton the other day, Hus. Go figure. Go figure that maybe the best thing that happened to Mason Appleton this season was getting bumped off the off the line with Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley. Here we were thinking that that was this huge promotion that lasted about a game and a half. And don't look now, but Mason Appleton is absolutely on fire since he got away from those two guys. Uh, again, put that under the category of uh, of unexpected developments. Um, you know they've they've found something. It, it appears that's pretty special with that trio and. You know, Gabe Velarde, he might be back in a couple of weeks, and they obviously hope they don't get any other injuries. Regardless of what a Velarde return ultimately means, I think one thing you can put in in permanent incos, you do not touch that third, whatever you want to call them. You do not touch that line. You work around that, and uh, I think at this point, that's a pretty safe bet given how well they're going. Well, and uh, and of course, Nino Niederreiter, uh, star of the show with the hat trick on uh, Saturday. And uh, interestingly, uh, you know, Scott Billick reporting this week that his agent's going to be coming in. Uh, timing is everything. And uh, I'm not sure whether Nino knew this was planned in advance. But um, a performance like that and another strong one tonight for the Winnipeg Jets against St. Louis um, to make a further case to... Uh, Inc. a long-term future here in Winnipeg. Um, just thoughts on that and what you think a deal might look like if they are able to extend Nito. You know, it's funny. I go back to this past summer and I, I caught up with Nino Niederreiter. He was in Switzerland at the time and I got him on the phone and we talked about, we, we, we talked a lot about a lot of things, including the fact that he was in the same boat as Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck in that he was going into the final year of his mm -hmm. contract and yet nobody talked about Nino Niederreiter. I mean, we didn't spend really any time, Huss, did we, this summer, talking about, well, you got to do something with Nino Niederreiter before the season starts. You can't risk losing him for nothing. you got to either get him extended or move him. I mean, of course not. And Nino Niederreiter kind of laughed when I asked him about it and said, well, I'm not in the same league as those players. I mean, he didn't say that exactly, and he is in the same league, but – uh, technically, but he's saying like those are very different players. Of course, nobody's talking about me in that boat. And in fact, Huss, he said to me, uh, I got to go out and even show that I'm worthy of another contract. One thing, though, was crystal clear from Nino Niederreiter last summer, and he said it many times again early in this season. He loves Winnipeg. He really does. Um, and he's not just saying that, you know, to, to score PR points or whatever. He really does love Winnipeg. He loves the city. He loves the group of players. It's it's a really good fit for him. And he's a guy who is looking for, you know, 
a landing point that he can perhaps finish out or at least spend some time. He doesn't want to be a guy that, you know, every year he's moving around to a new team and uprooting. He wants some stability and he's got it here in Winnipeg. And, you know, one of the things, Huss, I had heard back when the Jets did extend Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley was that there was a feeling they were not done. General Manager Kevin Shoveldayoff wasn't done in terms of trying to get other guys locked up. Now, Kevin Shoveldayoff has made it very clear that even if they wanted all their UFAs back, that doesn't necessarily mean they could get them all re-signed because of the cap situation. And so you've got now Nino Niederreiter, you've got Dylan DeMello, you've got Brendan Dillon, and you've got Lauren Brassois. Um, But I have no doubt, and I felt this from the day they re-upped Shifley and Hellebuck, that Nito Niederreiter was likely the next priority to address that situation, to see what an extension would look like. And for sure, I mean, the the, the early start to the year here might might have added a few more uh, pennies uh, on the uh, on the paycheck. Um, but I think there's there's always been mutual interest. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised at all if they can come to an agreement here. I, I wouldn't expect this to be like a prickly or controversial kind of negotiation, Haas. I think the Jets recognize that Nino Niederreiter does a lot of things that they really need on this team. You know, look at the goal. Look at the first goal he scored the other day. This is a team. How much have we been talking about lately, especially on the power play, all the perimeter play, the pretty passing? 100%. Right. And then, you know, what happens? Nino Niederreiter, where he so often is, goes right to the net. And as Mason Appleton told me after the game, you could you could add up Nino Niederreiter's three goals. And I think Appleton said, I don't know if it was more than three and a half feet, um, you know, outside of the, the blue paint where he scored. Because that's where he that's where he goes. Um, and, you know, he's a driver on this team. So, yeah, I, you know, I think probably a three year extension would would make the most sense. Um, you know, given his age, what's the number? Uh, you know, probably something in the fours we're talking about. Are we talking four, four and a half? Um, you know, I, I think, as I say, I, I, I won't be surprised at all to get this done. It was just a question of the timing and the fact his agent is going to come in. The Jets are obviously now going to be home for a couple of weeks. So it's a good time to maybe, you know, hunker down and get some business done. And I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, in the next couple of weeks we hear of of a Nino Niederreiter extension. Um, and, you know, that would be a real good development for a Jets team that is looking to not just contend this year. They want to keep this window as wide open as possible, adding Nino Niederreiter to the existing core for, for more years to come is is another step in that direction. Uh, I, I, listen, I'm here for it. And I do wonder, I mean, Nino's 30 right now. He'll be 31 next year. Um, the comparable that the Billick and some other people talk about was the Felino extension in Minnesota at 32 years old, which was four by four. Yeah. And I do wonder if, you know, at where he's at in his career, does it make sense to bring the AAV down maybe a little bit and Add get that fourth season? Yeah. Um, because I'll say this, and I know Patrolman and Pete was just asking in chat <clears throat> if Nito Niederreiter is the Jets' glue guy. He is certainly one of them. Um, the other thing that I think is really attractive to the organization, Mike, is the thought of Nino Niederreiter being a veteran leader in this locker room 
in the coming three to four years as the likes of McGrory and Barlow, um, as these young men turn pro and get mixed in with the team? I mean, a great influence on young players and a guy that does so many of the little things right. Oh, absolutely. Us, uh, if the connection's cutting out here, apologies if it is. Um, yeah, I mean, and look look back to last season, that early great impression Nino Niederreiter made, um, you know, where he came and answered the bell after that tough outing. I believe we were in Carolina and he had been, uh, he and along with Connor and Shifley had been uh, sat down. And those guys came out and, uh, or Nino Niederreiter came out and, you know, spoke like you like you'd want a leader to speak. And he had just gotten to the team and, you know, he showed the kind of leadership that certainly talking to people in Nashville that he was well known for. This is just kind of what he does and who he is. And it really is, uh, it's impressive. So for sure, that would be a, that would be another part of it as well. Mike, uh, the uh, other thing, just before we quickly get to this game tonight yeah. um, that I wanted to ask you about, um, that I think a lot of people are interested in is, How's Declan Chisholm doing? Um, you sat down for extended chat with him and certainly seems to be staying positive, appreciating his time in the National Hockey League. But like any young player, would love to get a chance to get out there in game action and show what he can do. And producing in a big way last year for the Manitoba Moose, now hasn't played a single second this year. Uh, he'll be a healthy scratch for the 12th straight game tonight. Um, I, I had a one-on-one with him yesterday in Tempe before he flew here to St. Louis. And... You know, unfortunately, Huss, he's in a position where right now, other than an injury or two, it's hard to see a path into this lineup right now um, because the Jets are going to roll with what they have, right? And um, is is a conditioning assignment possible at some point here? Um, you know, there's ways to do that and not have to expose him to waivers. But as I wrote, Huss, he's kind of in hockey purgatory, right? He's He's too valuable the organization to risk putting on waivers where they likely would lose him but he's not deemed valuable enough at the present to leapfrog any of the six guys in the lineup and so as long as they remain healthy and things are going relatively well for the team he sits and waits and you know he's got a great attitude about it he's not complaining it helps of course he's collecting an NHL paycheck up here uh, but he said he's looking at the way Kyle Capobianco handled kind of an identical situation last year and, and stayed ready. And then, and then when Capobianco would, would go in the lineup, lineup he would make an impact. Um, so Declan Chisholm says he's kind of looking at that as, uh, as, as, you know, a way to kind of the path to follow, if you will. He'll be ready when his name is called. It's just unknown when that might be. Uh, it won't be tonight, and it'll be the same lineup coming out. And Connor Hellebuck going again tonight. I kind of thought that Helly might get the night off and LB might go in. Um, fill us in a little bit on um, – oh, I think we may have just lost Mike. The uh, the connection went down went down quickly. Um, anyways, we'll see whether we get Mike back. Um, but we will hear from Scott Arneal on um, the goalie decision and how things project over the course of the uh, – you know, the, the, well, this next homestand – with five games at home beginning on Thursday against the Nashville Predators. And from all accounts, I think it's most likely we'll see LB Thursday against Nashville and then one of Friday or Saturday of the following week when the Buffalo Sabres and the Arizona Coyotes come to town, Reem. Yeah, sorry. I was just waiting to see if Mike uh, came back in and 
Yeah, it seems like LB is going to get, uh, what, Thursday against Nashville, and then, as you said, uh, one of those back-to-back games. Um, all right, we've got we've got Mike back. No problem. We're looking good now, uh, good now as well. Uh, we were just finishing up about Helly. Uh, Helly going again tonight. Um, didn't love the start he had, but I really thought he stood and you know ex- showed who he is in the second and third period in that game against Arizona. Does it sort of project that he'll go tonight and uh, LB likely on uh, Thursday against the Preds? Yeah, Scott O'Neill kind of tipped his hand there because I I I said. You know, there, was there any thought of starting Lauren Bressois tonight? And he said, yes, there was. Um, he said, LB, we, we, we wanted to play LB one of these next two games. Well, Connor Hellebuck's going tonight. So <laughs> it pretty much uh, put Lauren Bressois' name down on Thursday to start the home stand. You know, Hus, I, I think the, the rationale is probably this. Um, I think they might have switched it and it had the Jets, let's say the Jets were 2-0 and on this trip so far, had they won in Vegas plus Arizona, I think almost without question LB would have been playing tonight. I think if you're the Jets, you're looking at it this way. Uh, the Blues are playing well. They've won two games in a row. They've scored 10 goals over the last two. They're always tough at home. And this is a chance for the Jets to win the road trip, right? 2-1 and one versus 1-2. One and two. Um, so they're going to play their their A lineup. They're going to play their number one guy. Uh, the Blues are playing their number one guy in Jordan Bennington. And the Jets are kind of, they're going for the win here on, on the road trip. And again, that's not to say that playing Lauren Basra would be conceding that you're not going to win. But uh, they're trying to win. The, they're trying to wrap up the road trip on a winning note. So they're going to roll up their top lineup tonight. And, you know, they'll come back off the road and it's a long homestand. And, and I suspect Huss, Lauren Bressois will get now two games on that homestand. He might start and finish it because uh, the Jets have the back-to-backs, as you mentioned earlier, uh, on the following Friday, Saturday. So obviously there's a good chance um, each goalie gets a start there. Uh, but, you know, you look, here we are 11 games in, now 12 tonight. And Lauren Bressois will have only played two of them. I think my prediction at the start of the year that he was going to get north of 25 starts, uh, it's not looking so good in that department right now, Huss. Uh, perhaps it'll start to balance itself out. Um, um, but, you know, the Jets, they're trying to rack up some points, put some points in the bank. And uh, so I'm not all that surprised, given that they split the first two games on the road trip, that they go to Connor Hellebuck tonight. Yeah, well, I'll say this. I mean, uh, if LB wants to get those starts, and the best thing that he can do is go in and have a real strong performance um, in uh, the game on uh, yes. Thursday. The next time, remind the folks that um, he's a very good option for the club, but I do think they've got pretty much this next six-game segment um, pretty much Not laid built. out. Hey, yeah. just before we go, I know we were down at the rink this morning. Um, any scuttlebutt amongst the scribes and people around there about what's happening in Edmonton? Oh, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> a lot of talk. Uh, a lot of talk about the Oilers for sure. Um, yeah, what a what an unexpected development. Uh, they were my Stanley Cup pick, Huss. So um, I know there were a lot of folks Stanley Cup pick. Um, yeah, the, the Vancouver Canucks appear to have broken the Oilers. Uh, but three games already head-to-head. The Canucks, I think it's, what, 18-6 to six the Canucks have outscored them. And I actually caught the third period last night after getting in here. And uh, to see 
you know, Connor McDavid running around like, like, you know, out of control in a way to see Leon Dreisaitl get a 10 minute misconduct to see, uh, Jay Woodcroft get the heave ho. Like this is a team that's lost the plot and lost its composure. And so I guess the, you know, everybody was thinking, okay, something's got to give here. And so what, what's given so far today? Well, they've demoted the goaltender that didn't even play yesterday. That ought to show them. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's no easy fixes in Edmonton Huss because they are in salary cap hell. And to the point that they haven't even been able to dress necessarily a full roster on some nights this year. You know, it sounds like a broken record, but the same things that people have been saying for a few years now about the Oilers, defense and goaltending, those remain issues. Now add in that, you know, Connor McDavid doesn't appear to be near himself with that injury that he dealt with that missed a few games. And even now, since he's back, like just doesn't look like the Connor McDavid you normally expect. Neither does Leon Drysaddle, really. So when those two guys aren't absolutely carrying your team, well, now you're really getting exposed. And uh, yeah, it is quite something to see. But Huss, I dare say, given the long-standing rivalry between the Jets and the Oilers, going back to the old Smite Division days. You will not find one ounce of sympathy uh, in Winnipeg <laughs> these days. A lot of folks getting out their tiny violins to play for the poor Edmonton Oilers. Well, we'll see where the Oilers are at at the end of uh, November. Our next uh, game with the uh, WST gang is that Thursday night, November 30th, against Edmonton coming in. And uh, listen, I'd imagine that they'll be in a better spot at that point, but it has been an absolutely stunning start. And don't look now. I but, saw uh, the. I saw you're, you're a big wrestling guy, of course, Remus too. So you'll love this. I saw somebody. Uh, so the Oilers are playing the Sharks, right, on Thursday night. <laughs> I can't remember who on Twitter last night said that it, it's a loser leaves town match <laughs> between season the two over. <laughs> yeah. Um, and can you imagine? Can you imagine if the Oilers lose to the Sharks? I... <laughs> they won't. But I can't. I mean, well, I don't think they will. But listen, I mean, I, sometimes, I mean, we uh, like to get on the old post-game shows of uh, some of these tire <laughs> fires around the league, and our buddy yeah. Tommy Gazzola had about twelve hundred raging Oiler fans in the Edmonton sports talk thing last night, and Dusty and I talked about it. Let's just say the text line and the nasty chat was um, <clears throat> quite busy this morning in Edmonton. It is stunning, and I guess with Jack Campbell uh, presumably being waived to go down i mean the big thing is that salary is he's making the five million dollars a no year one, so no one's no one is claiming him he's got no what, three more years too oh yeah there's no chance he's getting claimed although it actually would be funny if the sharks claimed him and then started him on thursday Revenge and then game. He beat the, yeah i mean <laughs> it won't happen but uh so yeah, I mean they're going to have to buy that contract out, Huss. There's that's either that or maybe he goes to the AHL and finds his game. But um, I don't know what they do. Uh, and I, with all due respect to Calvin Pickard, the Manitoban, um, Calvin Pickard is a fine, you know, number three guy in your organization. Uh, if they if if they are banking now on Calvin Pickard coming up and saving their season. 
Um, good luck to them on that. Well, I guess the, the big thing is that if they do get, you know, Campbell to the minors and off the books, it, you know, I think would allow them to uh, maybe make a move or something like that involving the rest of the club. Uh, I think they the didn't savings, though, the full lineup. Yeah, the savings is actually min- – there is savings, but it's not as significant as you'd think because of, of his contract. There's still a, a some cap hit on it. But, yeah, it's uh, – it's a mess there in Edmonton for sure. And uh, like, as I say, one that I'm sure a lot of Jets fans are actually enjoying watching from a distance. <laughs> no doubt about it. Mike, thanks a lot for the chat. Uh, have a great rest of the afternoon. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, all of your coverage live from St. Louis in the Winnipeg Free Press. And uh, have a safe trip back and enjoy that toasted ravioli. Absolutely. We'll do that. Thanks. All right. There's Mike McIntyre. Great stuff from Mike on the road. Uh, we'll hear from Coach Arneal in just a minute. Of course, uh, we had a great segment with Justin Dunk earlier today, getting ready for Saturday. Bombers, Lions, Alouettes, and Argos. Of course, the game here goes at 5.30. The Princess Auto Tailgate Zone opens at 3.30 p.m. Get there early, get primed for the big game, and enjoy great prices on discounted beers, pop, hot dogs, and I'd imagine there'll be some hot chocolate there as well. Of course, Princess Auto welcomes you all to uh, the uh, tailgate zone before each game and welcomes you to uh, their two locations in Winnipeg where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Panet Road, Portage Avenue West in town. And shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Um, I, I, there's lots going on at Royal Sports right now. Of course, the holidays are just around the corner. It is your number one spot to pop in and take care of so much on your Christmas list for the sports fans in town and uh, in your family or in your circle. And hey, with the game on on uh, Saturday, you might want to uh, hit the bomber section for maybe a new toque, a scarf, Something nice and blue to help keep you warm as uh, you cheer on the Bombers, hopefully to a victory and to the Grey Cup. Um, Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise as well. All the new jerseys, new players as well, customized as you like. Um, Great NFL section. And uh, if you missed the show yesterday, check their Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. A really cool new hometown exclusive series of hats, including a brand new Winnipeg Whips version. That is available right now at Royal Sports. Pop by and see him, 750 Pemina Highway, and uh, tell him the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Um, of course, had a great night. Met up with some uh, pals at BP yesterday for a little Monday night football. Not the best Monday night football game, but uh, probably is going to be better than the Thursday nighter between the Bears and the Carolina Panthers. You don't have to worry about football tonight. You know the Jets and Blues are going to be on the big screen at your local Boston Pizza. Looking for a great spot to hook up with your gang for the game with full sound in the game on the big screen? Make it BP. Enjoy those ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. And, hey, if you are staying at home, you can uh, always order online and get it delivered hot and fast to your door by ordering at bostonpizza.com. All right, great to see everyone here. Well over 400 in the chat right now, live on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already. Let's get that to 200 if you wouldn't mind. 
really helps us spread the show on uh, on YouTube. All you got to do is just hit that thumbs up. So uh, help us out get that up to uh, to 200. All right, more on tonight's game. Remus has done a great job while we've been talking to Mike and Justin Dunk with uh, some of the audio popping in. We will start it off with the head coach, Scott Arneal, who uh, met Mike and um, the rest of the gang down in uh, St. Louis and talked about uh, the challenge tonight as the Jets look to uh, get a big two points and finish their road trip at 2-1. and one. Well, I think that, you know, any team early, especially in the early first 10, 10, 12 games, you're trying to find your rhythm, you're trying to imp- implement maybe some new systems, new players, that type of thing. And um, I think these guys are starting to get themselves back up to speed. They've won a couple of big games, beat Jersey, beat Montreal. And, um, you know, they, they've, they've got some good veterans over there. And, uh, they're going to be in this building. They'll be hard to play against. So we got to make sure that uh, we can we build off what we did in Arizona. All right, so there's uh, Arnie on uh, the uh, challenge tonight. And again, I've been talking about this actually from Friday, just how big of a week this is for the Jets going head-to-head in the division. And, you know, they've already got one in the St. Louis Blues this year. But the Blues, to their credit, had a big, big home win against the uh, New Jersey Devils on Friday night, one of the top teams in the league. That, of course, was the uh, game where Jack Hughes got hurt. He's not with the club any longer, and he is out week-to-week. Nico Heischer out as well. Uh, but two straight wins after following it up with a 6-3 win over the Habs on the weekend. So the Blues feel a little bit of momentum going into tonight's game. It is a big one. But Scott Arneal said the Jets are feeling pretty good about the way they rebounded from that 2-0 deficit behind Nino Niederreiter, Brendan Dillon, and the rest of the Lowry line on Saturday. You know, we did a lot of good things in that game. And I know we got down early, but uh, like I said the other night, sometimes those afternoon games, it's whoever wakes up first can get the lead. And uh, But we hung with it. And... Uh, Really liked our our all round game though from all four lines all our D. It was a, it was a real solid effort. We smothered uh, Arizona's offense and that rush game that they like to play. I thought we did a great job of taking that away from them. Well, Scott O'Neill on the uh, on the nice win on Saturday five three with the Nito Niederreiter hat trick. Um, as we talked with Mike, there was some question as to who'd be in the net tonight. Would it be Loren Brassoiding getting back in, or does Connor Hellebuck get right back at it after a real strong um, late performance holding on to that uh, 5-3 lead? Here's uh, Arnie on the decision tonight and moving forward. Talk to Flats. Uh, say he's going to get one of the next two. So, okay. uh, But uh, now we're creeping in on here. We'll see. Yeah, we can't let him sit too long, obviously. But we're just the schedule right now for Helly has been pretty simple afternoon game on Saturday and then here a big divisional game here so um, I'll just go move forward here and we'll be getting in well we've always called Hellebuck Mr. Matinee so well you know they'll have their number one in for the Dallas Stars on Saturday afternoon uh, which um, as Mike said uh, pretty much tips the hand that LB will be able to prepare to be the starter to kick off the homestand Thursday night against the Nashville Predators um you know, Mike, um, you know, provided some great clips, um, you know, talking and he mentioned his, you know, extended conversation with Adam Lowry on his first month as captain and everything that's been thrown at the Winnipeg Jets so far this season through injuries and certainly uh, everything we talked about off the ice. Um, Mike asked the coach about um, first impressions of the new captain of the Winnipeg Jets through one month. Yeah, it's uh, like you said, a lot of challenges for him uh, off the ice that he's had to face. And the biggest thing, sort of history, being around guys that get named captain, is sometimes they forget to play their game and go out and do what they do. 
every night. Uh, that probably the reason, one of the reasons why they've been named captain, and that's probably the, the thing that hasn't happened uh, a lot is he's continued to play his game to uh, to a T. And um, you know he was, he, he's leading by example on the ice first and foremost, and then when he comes in the dressing room, he's done a fantastic job of through these tough times that we've had of uh, family and you know different scenarios that have come upon us, but also just you know getting uh, you know. Keeping the guys getting out together, doing right. things together, growing together. Um, so he's, you know, as a captain, there's a lot on those guys' plate, and he's handled it really well. Yeah, it seems like he has like a, just a naturally calming, almost influence, right? Like to maybe young guys, you know, be like a fatherly figure in a way, or a brotherly figure. Like he can play a lot of different roles, but he really seems to keep guys grounded. Yeah, I think he's, you know, obviously he's got a dad that's played the game yeah. in the NHL for a long time now, coaching and. So he's got some good, uh, some good teaching over the years, and he is. He's very, uh, he, he is calm about things and doesn't get worked up too often. Uh, but uh, no, it's it's kind of all our leaders. I think do a good job of kind of helping the room kind of be better every day. Well, they're uh, certainly helping in the room, but it can't be overstated what Adam Lowry's line is doing for the Winnipeg Jets, and there was no better example of that comeback win on Saturday in Arizona. Here's uh, Scott O'Neill on uh, the play of the quote-unquote third line. Just the reliability is that I can throw them out, um, knowing that whether it's, you know, the number one line on the opposition or it's their third heavy line that's maybe coming out. I know that uh, they're going to do all the right things. And, you know, they're like everybody, you're going to be the odd time they'll make mistakes. But these guys, their hard work really, you know, continues to how help them gain success and uh, they, uh, they're a good example for other players sitting there watching how hard they work and the detail that they put into their game and especially for young players watching them that it, it certainly is uh, helps coaching helps us you know when they go out and do all those things on a consistent basis night night in night out all right so there's Scott O'Neill one more clip from the coach and we knew that Gabriel Velarde was on the trip interesting that Billy Hanela spotted in the press box as well um, at Mullet Arena on Saturday. Uh, but um, Arnie was asked about uh, if there was any update on Gabriel Velarde. Uh, I haven't got any updates. I know he is working out, um, doing a lot of stuff on that leg, yeah. off the ice, so which is a good sign. Um, the skating part, I'm not sure where we're at on that yet. So we're still, you know, once... It's a different thing once he gets back. Now you got to worry about, you know, obviously, first of all, you know, how much can he do? And then the next thing is conditioning. So we're still a little ways away. So there's a little bit of an update on uh, Velarde. And uh, as I say, great to see Billy Hainala with this team. Nice that Gabriel Velarde was able to enjoy one of the better road trips, certainly for the players so far this year, but um, still a little ways away from uh, any speculative return. I guess we're just past three weeks from the injury ream. So, uh, We'll sort of see the way things look. But, I mean, it was four to six weeks. Hopefully, we're more than halfway through. But I don't think anyone should expect to see, uh, um, you know, Velarde popping back in, for instance, on the uh, the Jersey game next Tuesday. Probably still a little ways away, as he mentioned, to get the conditioning up and obviously get back on the ice on a regular basis. Yeah, sorry, I was listening to that, uh, trying to get that clip there from, from Mike O'Shea. But, yeah, look, Villy's not missing the, the Vegas trip. Us, Velarde. Now it doesn't matter if you're injured or not. You're going on that Vegas Arizona trip. There's golf. 
There's like, whatever did Billy else. fly from Finland to Vegas and I, meet the team there? Like we heard, like we heard that he went to back to Finland uh, <laughs> to with you know to recover from the injury. But what he was at uh, Jets games. We saw him at, this weekend. I don't know what to make of it. But as far as, as far as Gabe goes, I mean, Mike getting the question. You have to ask. He's on the trip. What's going on? And I think the timeline hasn't really changed. I think once he gets on the ice and the skating, you know, then you're closer. But he said he was doing work. On that, you know, working that leg off the ice, so we'll wait and see. And funny, we talked about how great the third line was, but that top line for very limited time, us with Shifley, Connor, Velarde, they were one of the best. I know it was like, what was it, two games, seven periods? Yeah, maybe the best seven periods of any line in the league this year. Uh, say that a bit facetiously, but they were very strong. And imagine if if they come back, you know, he comes back full strength, and everyone stays healthy. You can keep. The Nino Lowry Appleton line. Oh, baby, you're rolling here uh, with the Jets. They actually have a goalie who can stop the puck. I mean, I agree with what Appleton said last game, but they've had maybe three bad periods. I think he said two. Uh, They played very consistently. Yeah, the special teams does need a bit of work, but they have scored power play goals here in back-to-back games. I don't know. Maybe they're turning a corner. And and look, the season, I think Dylan said this too. Like, it ebbs and flows. You're going to have your highs. You're going to have lows. But... They certainly managed to come back after being down uh, 0-2 to Arizona, and hopefully you can finish the road trip off strong against St. Louis before this lengthy homestand where maybe we do have some uh, positive Nino Nita Rider news, as uh, you and Mike were just discussing. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I mean, we'll, uh, you know, Billick's been all over that, and credit to him. He'll join us in a couple days, uh, probably on Thursday, so we can get a little bit more on Scott. But, uh, you know, he has been reporting that Nino Nita Rider's agent is coming to town. Talk a little turkey with Kevin Sheveldayoff and the Winnipeg Jets about inking an extension for Nino Niederreiter. And I don't think you'll find many members of the Winnipeg Jet fan base that aren't down for more Nino, especially the way he's played uh, you know, this season and since he became a Winnipeg Jet at the deadline last year. I do have a prediction for tonight, and uh, we put together a little special WST exclusive for the Jets Blues game, which we'll get to in the cool bet lines. But I did want to quickly play a little Josh Morrissey as well. Um, Morrissey was talking to Mike and uh, the gang after practice today. And uh, still the boys on the blue line talking about Brendan Dillon's big game on Saturday versus the Yotes. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was great. Um, He's been playing awesome all year and um, hadn't really been rewarded for it yet. So uh, it was huge to see him have a night like that and um you know dilly nino obviously stepping up and coming through with uh, five goals i mean that's pretty awesome so as a back end though we're just pumped up for dilly he's a, a veteran guy on our on our back end and um you know everyone that watches him knows he plays the game hard plays the game uh, with integrity and, and physical and stand up for teammates and um, i think it's underrated he moves the puck really well so it's nice to um, to see him get rewarded with a couple of nice ones. And, uh, um, you know, we're, we're super happy back there for sure when that happens. Morrissey uh, all smiles after the win on Saturday, but um, it's back to business tonight. Big divisional game in St. Louis. Here's uh, Morrissey's thoughts on tonight's challenge of the hometown Blues. Yeah, it's always a tough arena to play in, and uh, you know they've got a lot of a good mix, I guess, throughout their lineup of speed and skill and some size and, and physicality. But um, yeah, they've got a lot of um, they've got D-man that can jump up as well. You know, you look at that back end, and 
um, they've got some guys that can move, so they attack often as a group of five, and um, you know they're able to make little plays uh, offensively. You know, the last time we played them uh, it was kind of a weird game, but you know they were able to generate uh, some really high uh, um, danger scoring opportunities. So um, that's kind of what they're known for. They've got some really talented players, and uh, you know, as a group forwards and D, we'll have to uh, manage the puck in the right areas and be aware of that. All right, there's uh, Josh Morrissey on the uh, the challenge tonight. One other thing that came out of the game, we're seeing a little bit of life from the power play. And, uh, you know, both the power play goal against Vegas, the power play goal against Arizona. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't as much from the perimeter. It was getting into that blue paint like the specialist Nito Niederreiter showed the way. Uh, Morrissey talked about the power play and the importance of that net front, front presence uh, with the man advantage. I mean, it's such a vital part of the power play. It's probably the least heralded position uh, on the power play, but, um, you know, guys that are really good in that area end up getting a lot of goals and, um, you know, just being in, in and a part of a lot of goals as well. I mean, uh, you talk to the goalies, uh, that guy in front of the net, um, just being there, kind of moving the right way, getting in the goalie's eyes. Um, it makes such a big difference uh, for, you know, what might be a harmless shot all of a sudden being dangerous or just making it, you know, any difficulty of save that much harder. So um, it's key and, you know, we're all focusing on, uh, you know, our positions out there and, and trying to, you know, keep getting better at them. I think we've been building some momentum on the power play and, um, you know, we're just going to keep working on that to uh, try to, um, you know, get uh, into the top group in the league, and um, that's got to be the goal for our, for our unit. So, and for our power play in general, and, and that's what we're working on. There's JMO from uh, St. Louis in the morning skate earlier today. Big thanks to Mike McIntyre and the Jets team for the uh, audio from St. Louis. I'm seeing a lot of a ch- uh, lot of scuttlebutt in chat about getting together around the holidays. People fired up to uh, see their friends from the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat. Save the date, gang. December 6th, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock or so. The WST holiday gathering will take place down at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue, the site of uh, our previous WST Sports Trivia Nights. Really looking forward to that. We're still working on some of the details, but just want you all to circle that in the calendar or put it in your phones. Um, And, of course... Little Brown Jug, great spot to get together with friends in and around the holidays. And in addition to that, um, this is a big weekend for Winnipeg sports fans. And the only thing that could be better than a Jet Bomber doubleheader with a trip to the Grey Cup on the line included is the fact that now Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg's favorite local beer, is available at both Jets and Bomber games. For Jets games this week, make sure you check out the new craft beer corners on the upper and lower levels. You'll find 1919 and generic lager there and the great taste of 1919 available at the stadium as well. When you're going to the West final, look for it at the poutinery locations and the hometown concession stands on both levels and both sides of the stadium. Find out more on uh, jet and bomber watch parties and uh, the ability to watch games at little Brown jug on their socials at LBJ brewing and at little Brown jug on Instagram and check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca. You can order online with local delivery options as well. And, um, hey, we'll see if we can get our pal Nick out to uh, 
the festivities on the 6th. Uh, of course, Nick and Nikki, great sponsors of ours since day one of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, they're expanding the empire a little bit. Three DQs, the DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ Niverville. And now have just opened up the brand new Pita Pit in Niverville as well. Healthy, fresh, delicious, fast. Pita Pit's so good. And they can also help you out with catering, school lunches, birthday parties, and more. Give them an email at um, Niverville at PitaPitMB.ca or hit them up on Instagram or the uh, other socials, X and whatever, at, uh, at PitaPitNiverville. They would uh, love to help you cater a, a holiday party or a gathering. Um, all right, let's get Remo back in here. And uh, how, what, what are your what's your feel on this game before we get to the cool bet lines? Uh, coming out of that win, looking to, uh, you know, come back with four points and uh, a nice 2-0 and start in the division for this big week of divisional play. Well, if St. Louis plays um, like they played last time these two teams met in Winnipeg, I think the Jets should take this one but you never know last game of a road trip maybe too much time in the sun but i was looking at the lines i believe us the jets are favored on the road uh, and i don't know if i should feel good Pretty significantly yeah. favored. Um, so that was the same thing against arizona which made me a little nervous um, but i think we're seeing the jets more and more um you know just because of the underlying numbers of this club um with what they've done at five on five are getting the benefits of the doubt uh, more often than not from the bookmakers as the expected winner money line for the jets to win is minus 140 and the st louis blues for tonight's game plus 119 on the money line the uh, total for the game is six and uh, if you do like the jets to win by two that's a plus 180 wager over at cool bet I mentioned I had a little prediction, if you will. The guy said, hey, why don't we do a Winnipeg Sports Talk exclusive today for this game tonight? So, and again, I've continued to not bet on the Jets singly, and they've been doing quite well. I will continue to refrain from mushing them. However, I got a feeling that after the pizza last game and the way the Jets turned it around, that we're going to see a big game from Mark Scheifele tonight. Um, So for the Winnipeg Sports Talk parlay, we've got the Jets to win. Mark Shifley to score a goal. And i uh, got to have Mr. Consistent Josh Morrissey in on this. We'll have a Morrissey point. So a Shifley goal, Morrissey point, and a Jets win. And uh, we can lock that one in in the Cool Bet exclusives at plus 375. Yeah, I mean, Mark Shifley is nine points right now. Morrissey up there as well. So, you know, if you hope, think they can get a power play goal, bang, bang. Probably Shifley and Morrissey in on that one. And, we're scoring a power play goal. That line's win. due, too. That line's due, too. And and honestly, I just think that, you know, the way um, that the rest of the team rallied around each other after that very unfortunate giveaway that led to the 2 nothing lead was just impressive. And that's not something we'd seen maybe in the past from this Winnipeg Jets team. So um, I, uh, I'm feeling shifley tonight especially when the fact that he's used to having a bit of a gap. I think he needs to get a few points and maybe put a little separation from him and the rest of the club at the top. The scoring leaders can't always be the Lowry line doing it. So let's go with the Shifley goal tonight. Morrissey assists, Jets to win, plus 375 in the WST parlay. Other games tonight, Sabres at Habs. The Sabres plus 175. Oh, sorry, 
at Hurricanes, not Montreal Canadiens. That would not make sense if it was the Habs. Buffalo plus 175, the Canes minus 210. The Habs are playing tonight. Plus 120 home dogs to Tampa coming off that 6-5 OT loss last night to a Toronto. You know, we were doing the lock shop. I was originally sort of leaning towards Tampa and then realized that they're 3-13 and in the second end of back-to-backs over the last couple seasons. And, uh, you know, Montreal hasn't been the pushover that a lot of people thought. So that's sort of a stay-away game, I think, today in the lock shop. Um, near Pickham, Wild and Islanders. Islanders, a very slight home favorite at minus 111. The Wild, minus 105 on the money line. The Rangers, minus 126. The uh, Red Wings, a plus 124 underdog at MSG. Um, you've got the Kraken and Coyotes going at it. Coyotes, a slight home favorite at minus 113. Kraken at minus 104. And the Calgary Flames are at home, Reem. And um, we've got an exclusive from the lock shop today. And I'm actually riding with the Flames. I think that this game, that win they had on on Saturday, not to mention seeing what's happening in Edmonton, this has to be a desperate team. They got to win. We'll see whether they can make it two in a row back at home against the Nashville Predators. Preds plus 102 in the Flames right now at minus 120. I think uh, Jacob Markstrom has been playing very well uh, for Calgary. He's having a bounce back year, and I don't think Nashville's uh, that strong on their end. So I would, uh, I was actually agreeing with you there up with Calgary. Uh, here's another interesting one. Pittsburgh is minus 176 favorites on the road in Anaheim against the Ducks. The Ducks have won six games in a row are back at home playing a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins or one of those six teams that they beat. They handed Vegas their first loss of the season. Um, no respect for the Ducks as a massive home underdog despite what they've been doing for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the Ducks are 7-4, and four, and they did beat Pittsburgh, but in that game, Pittsburgh really controlled play, uh, severely outshot Anaheim and kind of... Got goalie. Mason McTavish got a breakaway coming out of the box. It was quite that the was wild, wild. It was a wild finish. Uh, although Pittsburgh has been playing great. They're they're four and six us. So it is definitely surprising uh, when you look at the way these teams have played that they would be such a big favorite. Their goal differential, however, is the same. Ducks plus five. Pittsburgh also plus five. Interesting. But if you want to play the hot hand, play the home home dog. Uh, just for the just for uh, the value purposes. So, uh, yeah, I, listen, after starting off one and four, they rattled off wins against the Blue Jackets, Bruins, Flyers, Penguins, Coyotes, and Golden Knights. Six wins in a row for the Ducks back at home tonight um, after, well, winning the first two games on this homestand. Uh, just two other games to get to. Devils in Colorado against the Avalanche. The Avalanche are minus 181 favorites. This would not be as high if Jack Hughes was playing and if Nico Heischer was playing. But, um, you know, without two of the most important players on the Devils, I think we got to lean Avs. Devils, though, plus 153. And then the late game. Can the San Jose Sharks win a hockey game? We'll see tonight. The Flyers, minus 192 favorites. The Sharks, plus 162. John Tortorella was asked if this can be a uh, um, a, a game that, you know, maybe they might not take... Uh, or a look at look ahead game. He said they shouldn't even be able to spell that right now. You know, Torts will have the guys ready. And if San Jose does lose, 
it will set up a winless Sharks team against a two-win Oilers team in battle of 31 and 32 overall in the league on Thursday night. And as we sort of joked today, what the hell will happen if Edmonton loses to the Sharks on Thursday? Yeah, you're setting the bar pretty high. Can the Sharks win? I was going to say, can they give up less than 10 goals? Uh, you look at their, <laughs> you're setting the bar too high. Look at the last game. 10-2 uh, loss to the Penguins. The game before that, 10-1 loss to Vancouver. I think a lot of intrigue in this game. How many goals can the Flyers score? And how many goals can the Sharks score? Because we've noted, and it has been confirmed, Austin Matthews by himself has more goals in the entire Sharks team this season. Uh, this team is historically bad. I saw reports Mike Greer, the GM, gave the Sharks a talking to. Uh, they got some bad habits there. I mean, don't I don't say. know. I mean, GM should be... I mean, I, I guess they're trying to do this intentionally to tank, but this is this is going to get oh, they're ugly. They're tanking all right. They're tanking all right. Um, just embarrassing. Um, two games into the homestand, they've been outscored... 20 to 3. And they've got the Flyers tonight. And as we mentioned, the Oilers coming up. Uh, hey, one more thing in the exclusives. We did put together a non Jets little lock shop partner parlay. If you want to ride with myself and Dusty, we've got the Flames to beat Nashville, the New York Rangers to uh, win uh, on the money line. They're at home to the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, and then we've added the Avs in there. So uh, plus 425, when we put it in, it was plus 368. Got a nice little boost from Ev and the fellows over at CoolBet. So if you do want to get on the partner parlay, it's up there at plus 475. And again, we've got one for the Jet game in particular. I like a Shifley goal, a Morrissey point, and a Jets win. That one is in there at plus 375. Um, looking forward to this one tonight. And then... Very much looking forward to this homestand uh, with LB likely getting the start against the Preds coming up on Thursday. Yeah, come home feeling good when you'll go two and one uh, on this on this road trip here. So uh, yeah. ended off with a good, nice division matchup. Jets and Blues always have a strong, I think, strong matches. So uh, we saw the Blues again. We saw the Blues last time. I did not think they looked very good, but hey, it could be a different story in St. Hey. Louis. They've gotten it together over the last couple of games. This is going to be a tough challenge, but uh, the uh, Jets feeling pretty good about themselves coming out of that win on uh, on the weekend against the uh, the Arizona Coyotes. And then that's time to get back on the plane. Um, and again, you know, all the players that were uh, out at the memorial service for Adam Johnson back with the club. And it will be the same lineup as we've seen for the last few games. Connor Shifley, Iafalo, Perfetti, Nemetsnikov, Ehlers, Lowry, Niederreiter, Appleton, Gus, Barron, Kupari on that fourth line, Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan Pionk, Sandberg, Schmidt, and Connor Hellebuck gets the start. It is a 7 o'clock puck drop tonight. Don't forget IC and KNR will be uh, doing post-game duties afterwards. And uh, we'll be breaking it all down tomorrow. Um, tomorrow's going to be a fun show, Reem. Uh, Murat's going to come on and break down the road trip, look ahead to uh, this next homestand? Murat had to postpone to Thursday, so it'll be Scott Billick who will be calling us live oh. from uh, the Nito Niederreiter negotiations. negotiations. He is back. the fly on the wall. He is the fly yeah. on the wall. Um, so that'll be good. Listen, we'll break down today's game, uh, tonight's game with Billick. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more on a potential extension for Nino Niederreiter 
with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, there's also a very big press conference for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes tomorrow with um, some real exciting announcements. Of course, they also announced their new manager last week. So uh, our boy Andrew Collier is going to jump on tomorrow as well. Um, we'll have the latest on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as they continue preparations for the West Final. And uh, look ahead to a big homestand, five in a row at Canada Life Centre, beginning on Thursday against the Nashville Predators. Uh, big thanks to Mike McIntyre and Justin Dunk for coming on today. And uh, everyone is pretty bombastic chat room as always if you wouldn't mind hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already shout out to the podcast listeners and uh, hey folks tell a friend one by one brick by brick continuing to grow here tell a friend about winnipeg sports talk when you get a chance and let them know how they can subscribe on podcast or on the youtube channel um and again going into this game one final reminder check out the youtube if you missed it connor Rabchak with another great edition of jets weekly recapping last week and setting up tonight's game and the rest of the action make sure you check that out before the puck drops tonight down at the enterprise center in st louis that's going to do it for us be sure to join us tomorrow 1 p.m for the latest on the club as they get back to winnipeg and uh, we get ready for a five-game homestand and the bombers continue preparations for the bc lions as we look forward to super saturday a super sports saturday in winnipeg after paying our respects earlier in the day on Remembrance Day. That's going to do it for us. Have a great one. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll catch you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, oh, shut it down. Oh Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 